attack. I just have to preach one message twice. So (laughs) that's much better. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, Lord, and of course your presence that you promised to be here in our midst when we gather together in your name. And so, Lord, I just ask right now that you'd be tangibly present, that every person here would would have an encounter with you, uh, hear your voice. Lord, I pray that you would help me communicate uh, clearly uh, what you have put on my heart so that everyone here would be edified and built up. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, we're going to talk about the end of the world. Glory. So, (laughs) it's actually something I've avoided teaching on. Because, actually, because there's so much division within the church concerning the things of the end. But I'm actually going to skirt around that in some way. But um, we'll get to the point. I want to open, though, with a bit of an introduction. You know, many people are familiar with the first verse of the Bible. You could probably recite it. What's it say? Huh? So, just think about that. If God created the heavens, plural, correct? Where does God live? Wherever you want. In heaven, right? Well, he's our heavenly father. But he created the heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if heaven is where God's lived, where did he live before he created the heavens? Think about it. He just did. See, as humans, I was supposed to grab some examples. Well, I got a few up here. As humans, we think of everything by in, in its context. We understand everything by its context. Everything is part of a system that's part of a bigger system. And we actually understand how a part, any particular thing, any particular aspect of our life fits we understand it by how it fits into the whole, how it fits into the into the the, the fabric of, of of the makeup. And so, if I grab a piece of this bread, well, you know, if I was a complete alien from another planet, you know, and landed on Earth with no understanding, and I saw this white spongy thing, I would have no idea what it is. I might put it in a machine and think it could power a time machine. I read some particular books. Uh, (laughs) We could extrapolate the understanding of the entire universe from a piece of sponge cake. Oh well. Who got that? Anyone? Wow. Emily? You got it? Wow. It's a very obscure literary, and literary is stretching the term, reference. So, um, I wouldn't know that it was food, would I? I wouldn't know that it came from a plant called wheat. But we, all, we know all of these things intuitively, because we've grown up with bread. We know it's, it's, it's from wheat, and they crush the wheat, and they make flour, and they add water, and yeast, and they cook it. And you know what? It actually tastes good. All right? And you can eat it all the time in America. <clears throat> or, you know, we see this liquid, we might think, oh, it's, it's poison. 
what is this liquid? What should we do with it? Where did it come from? Is it some kind of oil? It kind of looks oily. Is it smells good? We'll use it as perfume. No, it's the grape of a juice. Uh, juice of a grape. It's the grape of a juice. After 50, you can do those kind of things. It's just cute. <laughs> so we understand that, okay, grapes are harvested. In fact, if you drive out uh, where I ride my bicycle and motorcycle, you can see all the great vineyards and, uh, and they squeeze the grapes and they have juice and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It tastes good. We celebrate communion with it and the bread and uh, wine go together again. So we understand. We understand pulpits made from wood. It just didn't come out of nothing, but it once was a tree. And, and we understand how to use that. And we've, we've learned the fashion things out of it. We understand ourselves because we were born by, uh, you know, uh, other parents. We began life as a child and we grew in. And we gain an understanding of everything around us based on that context. And if you pull something out of its context, really you have a very difficult time understanding it. Um, and in fact, you can't understand it because we, by our nature, understand things in relationship to the other things within its environment. Does that make sense? But God doesn't have an environment or a context which He is dependent on. Amen. All right? God created the heavens, all of them, whatever that means and everything that means, and the earth. And prior to that, we have virtually no understanding of God's existence other than He existed. All right? And so, uh, he's the self-reliant one. And he existed in eternity. An eternity before he chose to create what we call the material universe, heavens and the earth. So, before that time, he always existed. That in and of itself is incomprehensible to a human mind. So the problem is... The problem that we have is understanding God. And the, and the point, because we, because we can't, we can't, un, there's a point at which we cannot understand an infinite being that is self-reliant. Because nothing in our experience and our knowledge is infinite and self-reliant. Okay? But we have this relationship with a personal God who communicates his, his, his identity as one who is, who is infinite and self-reliant, a self-existent one. And so the point of all this as an introduction to our discussion is that God is not limited to what works in our system. Alright? A naturalistic worldview comes to an abrupt end when you encounter an infinite, almighty, self-existent one that is outside of that whole naturalistic system that created it one day on a whim. Alright, so this series is about what happens at the end. And more precisely about what happens after the end. And the reason I want to talk about it is really, a, 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 one, there's a general lack of knowledge among Christians concerning the things of the end. 
It's it's really just keeps getting worse at the the amount of misunderstanding and a lot of books and trends take advantage of this uh, misunderstanding or lack of understanding and promote a lot of wrong thinking. All right. And so if, if people don't understand the basics of what the Bible teaches about what happens in the end, then um, some people convinced that they're telling truth. You know, most of them, I don't think any of them probably are motivated by, uh, you know, the wrong motives, but they, they get an idea and then they write a few books and they find people that agree with them and pretty soon you have a bestseller on your hands and, and thousands or millions of people have read a book and it's just, it's completely based on, on wrong facts. It may be logical conclusions, but they start with the wrong facts. Or, or, or even a misunderstanding of, of what the facts are, are, are meant to communicate. And also, I, I really have a desire that we understand and that we get what God intends out of what the Bible does say. Alright, and this I'm going to emphasize this. I'll talk a little more about it in just a second. So I, so just, just, just so you know, I'm not going to debate a lot of the end time scenarios, of which there are many. You know, and so if you want to discuss particular end time scenarios, you can come and talk to me. But you may not want to after what I say in a minute. (laughs) But I'm going to focus on some essentials that we do know for certain. Okay, I believe that we know about as much specifics of the final sequences of the events of the end of the earth as we do about the actual process or sequence of creation. Right? So I believe that God has revealed in His Word, and we have an understanding of, about the same amount of information on the end and what's going to actually happen the, 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 in the sequence of events that precede Jesus' return and the conquering of, of earth and, and, and the resolving of, of all conflict and, and the execution of justice. <clears throat> About the same amount that we know of creation. And frankly, it's, it's very little. Alright? Um, I think those who develop complex theologies about either the beginning or the end, you know, they're consistently proven wrong, many of them, but I think they're really wasting precious time debating the wrong questions. You know, if a question is wrong, you can debate it for centuries and you'll never come to an adequate answer. And there's a point at which you have to step back and say, I think it's a bad question. I mean, there's a lot of things that have dominated Christianity for a couple thousand years. And I just wish people would stop talking about it. Because you have to go back and go, we don't really understand this. And if all the brilliant minds that have lived and known Scripture far better than I could ever comprehend, known the original language, the culture, you know, can't come to a conclusion, then maybe... God hasn't given us enough information to make that conclusion. And why would He do that? Because it's not necessary for the purpose for which God gave us Scripture. Okay? God didn't give us Scripture to answer all of our questions. And no one gets saved by having perfect theology. 
No one is going to be at say, no one's going to be in heaven because they figured out the end time scenario. <laughs> right. Some some people may figure out the end time scenario right and end up in hell. But no one's going to go to hell just because they have the end time scenario misunderstood. Right? Our judgment is based upon faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is written to communicate that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that has to be the driving force of every discussion concerning biblical truths. Alright, so arguing about details that are secondary or procedural misses the intention of Scripture and is equal to misusing the Word of God, otherwise known as heresy. I really believe that. And like, if you have questions, I don't mind legitimate questions, and I'll share what I think is the answer. But I'm not going to argue about it. Because I think we're all going to be surprised. But you know, I do believe this. In the end, we will look at Scripture and it'll be, wow! Everything that God said in Scripture is 100% accurate. About creation, about the end, and about everything in between. Right? When we have that, when we have, uh, when we have the perspective of once it's done, we'll look back and go, oh man, we misunderstood this and we misunderstood that, but you know what? It was all true and gosh, now it seems obvious. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> That's exciting. I can't wait to that day. <clears throat> so, it's, um, it's, to be clear, my personal belief is getting more detailed about creation or the end than for the purpose that scripture gives us the limited information that it does, is at best a waste of time and at worst a violation of God's Word. Uh, uh, so my, the emphasis that we need to pursue is the purpose for what God revealed it because that purpose has the power to produce change in our lives, in the lives of those around us, and in our community. Amen? So the end of the world. I'm, I can tell you when you're going to experience the end of the world. I can predict the moment that you will experience the end of the world. Are you ready for this? You want to write it down? You can hold me accountable to this. If I'm wrong after it, you can come and talk to me. The world will end, somebody figured it out, when you die. We can debate everything we want. And we have a lot of things that we don't understand. But a few weeks ago, I was sitting in a funeral. It's actually a young woman who died because of health problems. Her end had come. There was nothing else that was going to happen until Jesus comes back. We can talk. We'll talk about some of the things that may occur between physical death and the resurrection. But for all intensive purposes, she was fast forwarded to the end of the earth, to the judgment day, or what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. That's what it's most oftenly called, is Jesus' day. Like when Clint says, make my day. Yeah, Jesus is going to come back. So this is my day. Alright? So, 
You know, the world ends when you die. And death is a very significant aspect of this whole discussion that often gets overlooked. Because every generation has its, has its uh, contingency that spend their whole life arguing about the details of the end of the world, and then they die. <laughs> and this was brought crystal clear to me, brought home crystal clear to me early in my salvation. It was the first summer I got saved. And we discovered this old book, we being those uh, other Christians, that, the guy who led me to the Lord and some other guys. And it was in the basement. It was at a yard sale or something. And it was a book in, uh, written in the 1800s, early 1800s, I believe. And, uh, and um, it was about the end times. And it compared, now this was back in the 80s, so, you know, 88 reasons why Jesus was coming in 1988, right? Was, was, was you know, and, and Hale Lindsay, boom, I got saved during that era. Um, so everybody thought they had it figured out. I thought Jesus was coming in 1982, in the spring. I was wrong. <laughs> So we read this book, I read this book, and, and what was hilarious is that in the book it compared all of the current political things that were happening in the wars to end time fulfillment. All things that had happened 150 years ago that were long gone, most of which we don't even remember because they were really insignificant historical events, but at the day they were the news of the time. And it was a very well written, thoroughly researched book. Uh, uh, that absolutely was worthless. All right, and so that man probably committed. That was before they had, you know, computers. I don't even know if they had typewriters back then. Think how much time he put into writing that book, and think of what God thought. Boy, good job. You wasted a lot of time because all of your conclusions, ha, they're wrong. We still have centuries left. Well, let's apply that in our day. But you know what isn't debatable? The fact is, you're going to die. I almost died. Two months ago. Some of you know I had a heart attack. Doctors still don't believe I'm alive. <coughs> I mean, they believe I'm alive. My wife isn't convinced yet. They don't believe that I survived, given the significance of the heart attack I suffered. <clears throat> but death is a great equalizer, uh, and we don't know when we're gonna when we're gonna die. You know, when I when I when I got on the bike to ride the 40 mile ride, you know, I wasn't planning on, on dropping over with a heart attack a third of the way into it. All right, you don't know when you're gonna die. You don't know when the end's gonna come. That's why Jesus emphasized being ready. Hebrews 9:27. It is appointed for men to die once, men, women, humans, to die once, but after this, the judgment. This is the most important verse in the Bible about the end times because it applies to everyone. It's clearly understood. It is appointed for men to die once. That kind of deals with uh, reincarnation. You die once, after that, judgment. Very straightforward. And we have to interpret everything else based on that. Uh, and, and the application. We take what is clear in Scripture and we understand what is obscure in, in Scripture by what is clear. 
It's a basic biblical principle of, of interpretation. And rather than taking obscure things in Scripture and trying to take an understanding based on an obscure reference and make a clear reference obscure. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about some of the things that possibly may happen uh, between the actual event of our personal death and the resurrection, but we're not going to do much of that today. I want to talk about the resurrection because that is something that is clearly will happen. Turn with me to John 5, 26 and 29. And I'm going to read this. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. This is John the Apostle who knew Jesus personally. John's saying, hey, don't be surprised at this, folks. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Wow. That's pretty clear. Jesus is going to come back Everyone that has ever lived is going to hear His voice. At the, at the response of that voice, they're going to come, become alive and be presented before Him for judgment. Those who have done good will receive the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil will have the resurrection of condemnation. So everyone gets resurrected. Amen? All right. So everyone, now what is resurrection? Resurrection, uh, Jesus was the, the first fruits of the resurrection. And uh, you can read about it in many places, but resurrection is being given a new body that is not susceptible to infection or death. Alright? That new body we will live in eternally. Jesus is resurrected. He has a new body. He is not merely a spirit. There is a human Right now, sitting on the right hand of God. He is God. He has the divine nature. In Him dwells the fullness of God. But He has a resurrected human body. Understand that? Good, because I don't. (laughs) He's going to execute judgment. What does judgment mean? It means justice. He's going to make everything right. That's His job. More than that, it's His character. Because He is just. But it also means uh, the issues of condemnation, damnation, judgment, determining the, 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 the outcome uh, of each and every individual's lives. Um, <clears throat> this event, uh, the resurrection, is recorded in another